Good morning. All right. Well, as we heard, Pastor Chris and Sheila, they should be in flight even right now. So please continue to be in prayer for the family. And then on Christmas morning, I had a special telephone call, and Emmanuel Adamako says hello from Ghana, and uh, he sends us a big amen. amen. All right, I'll, I'll relay that to him. All right. So I'm a little nervous today. Um, I wasn't supposed to be preaching today. Thank you, State Department. Um, how many of you like baseball? Okay. How many of you can name your favorite middle reliever? How many of you even know what a middle reliever is? All right. So, you know, Pastor Chris, or in this case, Pastor Reed, he's the ace. He starts the game. All right. What's that? Oh, children, you can leave. <laughs> I better define who children are, though. <laughs> Who's in charge? That's right. All right. So Pastor Chris, or in this case, Pastor Reader, preached last week. You know, he, he started the game. He's, he's the ace. Next week, Garrett Herter is going to be preaching. He's going to be our closer. And so that leaves me in the middle as the middle reliever this week. Now there, do you know how many pitchers are in the Hall of Fame? 83. 83 pitchers are in the Hall of Fame. 75 of them are starting pitchers. Eight are closers. None are middle relievers. I don't, I don't understand that. So how many of you can remember nursery rhymes? Oh, can you name one? Mother Hubbard, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Jack and Jill, Little Bo Peep, you're not allowed to, <laughs> Humpty Dumpty, that's what she was going to say, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, yes. Now the, the nursery rhyme I've been thinking about is Humpty Dumpty, all right. Humpty Dumpty, what did he do? He sat on a... Humpty Dumpty had... All the king's horses. They couldn't put... That's the sermon. We're good. All right. All right. Um, you know, it never says that Humpty Dumpty is an egg. Never says that. All right? Humpty Dumpty could be anything... Or really, it could be anyone. And this simple nursery rhyme perfectly illustrates the state of our world today, of our culture today. Just men and women falling left and right, our culture's falling, and no one can put them back together again. And many of us are broken just like Humpty Dumpty. It could be life circumstances. You know, we all know that life is hard and it can push us over the edge at times. Could be relationships. We have one more relationship that's gone sour. Or just from ourselves. We make mistakes. We mess up. We sin. I was just reading a, a statistic. The suicide rate in the United States since 1999 has increased by 
So in 20 years, the suicide rate has increased by 33%. In fact, in the United States, depression among kids, teens, young people under 25 has skyrocketed. In fact, the United States is one of the most depressed countries in the world. We are a people in pain, whether it's our circumstances, our relationships, health, sin. Many of us in this room are in pain. And like Humpty Dumpty, we're, we're falling, we're lying shattered in a hundred pieces. We're in crisis and we need help. There are some of us who feel like it couldn't happen to us, but it can. And in any moment, Something could happen that will change our life because life is fragile. Bad things happen. James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Because we all will meet trials in this life. Now, it's interesting that in that nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty turned to what some of us turn to or trust in. It's the government. Help for Humpty Dumpty came from a king straight from Washington, D.C. They tried very hard. You know, all the king's horses, all the strength, all the resources that they had, and all the king's men, all the intellect, all the wisdom. But they couldn't put them back together again. Now, the Epic Times on December 27th, just this Friday, had an article by Roger Simon entitled, can Trump put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Now, next year, 2020 is an election year. I hate this every four years. Um, because every election year since I can remember, and that's a lot, unfortunately, they always say, this is the most important election ever. Do you know how many important elections ever we've had? <laughs> oh. And it, it keeps starting sooner and sooner. But this election year is a good reminder that our help doesn't come from earthly kings or from government or from anyone else. It doesn't come from doctors or lawyers or psychiatrists. No matter how good intention or hard they try, it doesn't even come from Trump. Humpty Dumpty lays broken at the bottom of a wall, and he has no earthly help. His hope, our help, our hope is in Jesus Christ and him, him only. That's where our hope lies, not in government or anyone else. Now, I was really nervous last week. Pastor Reed started quoting part of my sermon. <laughs> hate that when he does that. Um, but Max Lucado, I want to repeat the quote that he shared from last week. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. And I'll add, if, if God really wanted government to be involved, he would have sent a politician. But we all know that wouldn't have worked either. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. A Savior who brings hope to a troubled world. Will you turn to John chapter 14? John chapter 14. Now this is part of Jesus' last major teaching moment. And he's talking with his disciples. 
And his disciples are confused. They're worried. And they're scared. And we're going to look at the first, just the first three verses of John chapter 14. And Jesus is going to bring them hope that's going to carry them through the trial they are about, about to experience. John chapter 14, the first three verses. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. These are some of the last words that Jesus spoke and shared with his disciples. Again, they're in the upper room. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. Jesus has predicted his betrayal. And he just, he senses the confusion. He senses how troubled his disciples are. And he tells them, do not let your heart be troubled. Isn't that a comforting statement from a God who loves us? And then he gives us the remedy that if our hearts are troubled, believe in God, believe in me, believe in Jesus. That is the remedy for today, that we need to believe and we can be comforted. We try so many substitutes for God some of us try to medicate ourselves from the pain to find comfort in, in alcohol or, or drugs. My, my grandfather, on my dad's side, my grandfather was an alcoholic, and he tried to find peace in the bottle. I never got to meet my grandfather. My dad never got to meet his dad. My grandfather left before my dad was even born. My grandfather's pain was so great was that all he desired was to drink and forget. And he lost everything. Some tried to find comfort in riches and money. Uh, Karen had an uncle that before he passed away was probably worth close to a million dollars. He was the unhappiest person I have ever met. When you met him, you didn't leave wishing you had his money. You left with pity. Money did not buy him happiness or peace. Some try to find comfort in an illusion, whether it's music or TV or sports, but it doesn't bring comfort. Some try busyness. If we can just keep moving, maybe the pain won't catch up to us. But troubled hearts can break through the busiest of lives. Some of us realize that these things don't help, but we still get caught up in a cycle that the grass is greener on the other side. And we get caught up in the if-onlys. You know, if only I was married, or if only I was single, or if only I was married to someone else, or if only I had a better job, if only I didn't have to work at all, if only I didn't, and you can fill in the blank. What is your if-only 
What is it that you think, if it changes, your life will be different? Because that if only is your substitute for God. If onlys are a lie. Because changing circumstances doesn't change a heart. And that's where the real problem lies. Um, About 30 years ago, um, Karen and I took in a a 15-year-old homeless boy. Um, He was kicked out of his home. His mom had a choice from his boyfriend. Either it's me or your son. And she chose the boyfriend. Kicked him out. And so he had a lot of pain, and understandably. And he had a lot of if-onlys. He thought if only he had money, if only he had enough food, if only he had a job, if only he had someone who would love him. He thought that if he could get these if-onlys met, his life would be okay. Um, Karen and I took him in, and we met most of his if-onlys. I mean, he was fed breakfast, lunch, three suppers, Uh, 15-year-old teenage boy, I mean, he could eat. He would go to our house and have supper, go to my mother-in-law's house and eat supper, and then go down to my sister-in-law and eat supper. He would do that on a regular basis. He had an allowance. He had a truck given him. He got cared for like he had never been cared for before. He had a job. He even had a girlfriend. He had just about everything a young man would desire in life. And yet, He was not happy. He was still in pain because he had a heart trouble. He had a heart problem. And no matter how many if-onlys got met, it didn't change his heart trouble because only Jesus can fix a troubled heart. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus does not give a quick fix, though. It is not a quick fix, but it gives a permanent answer because this life is not all there is. And the Apostle Paul understood this. If you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read what Paul says. He echoes what Jesus said about us not letting our heart be troubled. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 so paul says so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day for this slight and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And why do we not lose heart? Because this life is not all there is. We are only experiencing momentary light afflictions, but someday we'll receive an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now, before we scoff at Paul and say, well, he hasn't seen my pain, in this same book, 2 Corinthians, a few chapters later, chapter 11, Paul talks about his momentary light afflictions. Let me read them to you. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. 
He says, now I'm talking like a madman. But he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there was a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Light and momentary troubles, like being beaten by receiving 39 lashes, by beating with rods, by being stoned, by being shipwrecked, by being hungry and thirsty. Those are Paul's momentary and light afflictions and Paul could say this with a straight face because he knew something better awaited for him because faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen and Paul had that conviction he said therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on jesus consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart because that's how we not grow weary and lose heart we fix our eyes on jesus we believe in him and he will not disappoint because Jesus has and is a message of hope. And that hope is that this life is not all there is. There is something better, much better. And Jesus wants to take us to a better place, a better place than we could ever imagine, a place that he is preparing for us. Because in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Because there is a place prepared just for us. The God who created the heavens and the earth is preparing a place for you and for me. Now how awesome is that? The God who created the vast universe, who built up mountains, scooped out valleys, who created roses and trees and elephants, and this is for my wife, giraffes, puppy dogs, kittens, planets, solar systems. That God is building a place just for us. The God who builds things beyond my imagination, who knows me better than I know myself, is getting a room ready for you that is custom designed. And he's been working on it for almost 2,000 years. I think I'm going to like it there. 
And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God is preparing a special place for you and for me. If we make room in our hearts for him, he will prepare a room for us for all eternity. A place where every tear is going to be wiped away. A place where there's no more death. A place where there's no more mourning, crying, no more pain. I love hotel rooms. No matter how much you mess it up, when you come back at the end of the day, someone else has cleaned it up. <laughs> the bed is made. The towels are fresh. No matter how much this current hotel we live in is messed up, Jesus is going to come back and the sheets are going to be changed. The room is going to be cleaned up and we're going to be given new linen pure white garments that are stain free in the new room it's going to be worth waiting for sometimes we lose that fire that zeal C.S. Lewis um, is right when he says a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking but one of the things a Christian is meant to do it does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, so I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. We have a place. We have a Savior who's waiting for us. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back. And it's a promise. There will soon be a day when we will no longer say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because we will already be with him. Our faith will be sight. And as the hymn writer said, Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. <coughs> is it well with our soul? And are we living like he is coming back? Growing up as a young child, uh, my dad worked at the local YMCA. And he had to work Friday nights. And my mom worked Friday nights. So we got to go with dad to the YMCA. But he had to work. 
And so he would let us play in the gym until he finished up, and then we would all go swimming together after he got done working. (coughs) Now, Dad would first have to unlock all the doors and get things ready for whatever events were happening that night. And so many times he would tell us to wait for him, and he would come back to get us. So my brother and I, we stayed right in that spot. We didn't wander away. We wanted to be ready when Dad came back to get us, and we had everything ready. We had our gym shorts, our sneakers, our swimsuits, our towels. We were ready to go. And sometimes a person would come up to us and ask us what we were doing, and we would excitedly tell them that our dad was in charge of this place, and then he was coming back to get us to let us in. Now, as a young child, it would take forever. Can you imagine having to wait like 30 minutes till your dad came back so you could go swimming? But you know what? He always came back, and he always let us in, and it was always worth the wait. I have a dad in heaven who is in charge of this place, and he's sending his son back real soon to get me, and it seems like it's taking forever, but he will come back. He's promised. And what he's prepared is a whole lot better than the YMCA. (laughs) Although that was pretty cool as a nine-year-old boy, but it's going to be a whole lot better. My daddy, your daddy, is coming back to get us. And we need to be ready. And when he comes, he's going to take us to the place he has prepared for us. It's going to be awesome. Luke tells us to be dressed in readiness and to keep our lamps lit. We're to be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. And blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Jesus is coming back, and I want to be ready for him when he does. Humpty Dumpty fell, and Humpty Dumpty lay shattered in a thousand pieces. And all the king's men and all the king's horses, they couldn't put him back together again. But if we have Jesus, we don't have to be like Humpty Dumpty and have shattered lives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, because in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We're born to be children of the King, who's returning for us soon, and we're meant to have hope. So do not let your heart be troubled. I want to close with a story told by Dr. Bruce Walke. He's a seminary professor. He tells this story. He says, when my daughter was two or three years old, she needed to receive weekly allergy shots. And of course, it was my job for that terrible duty. And so I would take her, and she would not realize where we were until she saw the white shoes on the nurse's feet when we entered inside the office. Her grip on my finger as we walked down the hall would grow tight. And once inside the room, I would take her into my arms. 
And when the nurse would enter with the shot, my little girl would tighten her grip on my neck to the point of causing me to pass out. Then my daughter would cry out, Daddy, please take me home now. Daddy, please. And an interesting thing was happening there that we must realize. My daughter knew that I was the one who brought her to get her shot. And she knew that I was the one who would give her strength to go through the ordeal until I took her home. And it's the same with us. We are so limited in our our understanding at times. God does allow us to go through different trials and tests. And like my daughter, we must hold on to God, scream if we must, but we must not let go until he takes us home as well. And so we need to be like this little girl. We need to hold on tight to our Father in heaven, scream if we must and cry until he takes us home. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. Amen. Uh, Remember ABFs in Sunday school, and may you have a happy and blessed new year. We'll see you soon.